episode 197 of the Bevan James Isles Show, How to Make Good Decisions for Tomorrow by Focusing on Today. Radio team, welcome along to episode 197 of the Bevan James. I'll show you a fortnight podcast on the behaviors that create the lifetime love of fitness so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. It's a bit of a Bevan show today. It's one of the shows where I just talk to you and give you some ideas and some things I've been thinking about recently. And today I've got a topic which actually goes back to an interview I did recently, uh, but has really shifted my approach to helping people. That's as far as I'm going to give you right now. Uh, but before I get into it, I do want to talk about something that's happened recently. So if you listen to my last episode where I had, uh, who did I have on last time? What was his name? It was that psychologist doing, it was, who was it? It was William Pullen. And before that, I did the interview of William. I was talking about how I'm injured right now. And I just want to share a little tool with you that's really helped me. Now, I write a journal. I've probably talked about this in the show. I've written a journal for years. And in the last period of time, I've started writing a five-year journal. Five-year journal, I actually got it from one of my clients, uh, a lovely lady. She said, you, I do this five-year journal thing. And I may have already talked about it on the show. So I'll give you a quick overview of what a five-year journal is. A five-year journal is, it's a book that you buy. Get them on Amazon. There's plenty of them on Amazon. And what it is, is it's a page that has the same day and five paragraphs for, which represents five years. And you start writing in it year one, and then you go back to it year two, and you, you read what you did the same day last year. Now, Joe and I, we've been doing it for about 15 months now. So we started, I think, as in August last year. So we're now going back to that point where we're rereading some of the things we wrote last year. And it's it's quite an interesting insight. And the whole idea is you kind of do this every day for five years. And my client who was using this tool said to me, it really helped her in life because it helped her realize that some of the things that were big things in the past no longer mattered. And it helped her realize that Maybe some of the things that I'm really worried about today aren't that big in the big scheme of things. And I had a similar experience with that recently. So I think I talked about before I talked to William on the last episode how I'm a little bit injured right now. And it's actually a pretty serious injury, unfortunately. Uh, I'm, I've had an x-ray and luckily my hips, it's kind of in my hip and lower back. And luckily my hip doesn't seem to be that bad, but I'm going in for scans next week. And um, fingers crossed there's some answers in it because I'm in, I'm in a place where there's a lot of discomfort in my life. And I'm the kind of person who can push through an injury, if you know what I mean. Like most injuries I can work around. This one I am still exercising, but I, there's a lot of limits to what I'm doing with exercise. And generally speaking, I'd say 50% of my day, the injury is affecting me. And it's it's a kind of a sharp stabbing. I think it's a nerve thing, so it's a sharp stabbing thing. So if I sit down for a long period of time, movement hurts. When I stand up or sit down, any kind of squat movement, I'm in a lot of pain. Now, I'm not telling you this for sympathy. I'm somebody who very much is like, I've got to get a plan. I've got to work through the plan. And fingers crossed it comes right. But, you know, like it, it's not a nice feeling. And sometimes when we have injuries like this, we can catastrophize. Like, for example, my job is my body, or at least a lot of my job is my body. I make a lot of my income from me moving my body. So an injury is a threat to my job. And 
you know, mentally before the x-ray, I actually thought I may need a hip operation. Now, my doctor said that I don't need a hip op. Well, he said my hip looks great, so that's encouraging. So it's probably more muscular or nerve-based, which is encouraging because that means my hip doesn't need an operation. But I could have catastrophized to the point where I was like, wow, this could be the end of my career. And I could have gone down this really kind of scary path. And you can kind of understand why. Like, I'm hurting at times at the moment. It is something that's occupying my life. It definitely is limiting my life in some ways, shapes, and form. Um, and if I start to think about the bigger implications of this, it could mean a lot for my future. But interestingly, my five-year journal has helped me a lot in this. And why is that? Well, because I remember I was reading a few weeks ago, I had another injury, maybe this time last year. Now, this this injury I've got right now is probably the most, at least pain-based, serious injury I've probably had in a good 10 years. So it's definitely more than most niggles that I get throughout a year. But I read, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I read that I had an injury at some, maybe a pulled calf or something this time last year. And that I dealt with it. I dealt with it, and that calf was no longer a problem. And while right now I'm kind of in this deep end of this injury, and, and I'll be honest, I don't think it's going to be dealt with in the next two weeks. I think it's an injury that's probably going to take me a good two or three months to win the battle on top of, and at worst case, could even go to something like six months. I kind of know that next year when I write in my diary, my five-year journal, it's, it's not going to be a part of my life. I would have dealt with this problem. And there's just a real comfort in that. You know, I talked about how you can catastrophize or how you can build it into something that maybe it isn't or how can, you know, you can start to see the things you're losing because you can't move how you like to live. And this five-year journal, there's just a perspective that comes with it. And I remember I was just sitting there the other night and I was kind of writing my day and I was reading something else about what I did this time last year. And I was just like, you know what, next year when I write there, I'm not going to be talking about this injury. And I don't know, there's just there's just the magic that comes with it. It was just a relief moment. Sure, I have to deal with it. Sure, there's some things I have to go through. And sure, there's going to be some more discomfort for the next period of time. But it's not forever. And I'm just finding this to be a really powerful tool in my life. And I think that there is that thing of, you know, like, think of any problem that you had two or three years ago. For the majority of us, and majority of problems, your life has moved well past that. But when we're in it, Oh, we can't see we can't see through it. And that's why I like this tool, because this tool has allowed me to just keep this perspective in place. Just keep this in perspective. This is just something I have to deal with. There is another side to this. I will be able to work through it. And I trust that I'll be able to in a year from now I won't be thinking about this thing. And I just think it's a good tool for you guys to think about. So what I might do is I'm going to put a link in my show notes to the book that I got. On Amazon, they've got different versions, and I had to search quite hard to find the one that that was good. Uh, it's, it's a pretty basic tool, but I did buy one originally, and it was too small. And so I found one that was big enough where you can actually write a proper paragraph in it. So I'll put a link to that on my show notes for this episode. So if you go to bevanjamesisles.com and you look up the show notes for 197, I have a link to the Amazon page where for the book that I bought for doing my five-year journal. So just something for you to think about. Now, before I get into the main gist of the show, I want to say a big thank you to all the patrons of the show. If you are a patron of the show, what is a patron? A patron is somebody who supports this show by giving us some of their hard-earned money my way. And uh, basically, every time I release a show, 
they just donate a little bit of money. I really appreciate the patrons. And I want to give some love to some of the patrons. So first of all, we've got Ian Rise to the Top Rose. We've got Michelle Moon Dance Van Deventer. We've got Jessica, Leader of the Pack Lee. We've got BB going to City Hall Frail. And then we've got Hayden, the Smooth Operator Ryden. These people, Ryan, sorry, not Ryden, <laughs> Ryan. Uh, these people are already patrons of the show. They are supporting me by giving me some of their hard earned money. If you want to become a patron, go to bevanjamesisles.com and uh, go to the podcast section, go to support me go through the process. One thing to remember is you can donate as little or as much as you want. So it's very much up to you how much you donate. So if you are a patron and I didn't mention your name today, thank you so, so much. You know who you are. That really, really helps me do what I do. So thank you so much. Anyway, let's get into the main gist of today's show. Anybody out there who's listening to this who's a parent will probably agree with me when I say that parenting is one of the most rewarding and challenging things you will do in your life. Being a parent is a journey. And uh, it's a journey that has kind of a moving goalpost. And it's interesting, I was speaking to someone who's got a young child right now, and I was talking about my experience, and, and all parents say this, when you become a parent, every parent has advice and you know has their opinion on what, what good parenting is. But I was just talking to this person about how when you have children, you, you kind of get these moments, and you get these moments where your kids are really challenging, uh, even when they're like really young, you know, when they're a baby, and then they're twos, and then five, and so on. And you have these moments when there's something that's a real challenge about parenting your child at that time. And then after a while, you kind of figure it out. You know, you kind of figure out that the, the naughty twos, and you figure out, oh no, here's what I need to do to make sure that they kind of navigate through life well at this moment. And then, so, you know, I think the challenge of parenting is that as soon as you get that day where you figure it out, they change. And so the next thing you know, you you figured out and you've got a new challenge. And for me, that was a lot of my parenting experience. And my daughter, through the teenage years, like we had this, you know, that was my experience is that she'd change, I'd have to try to figure it out, I'd be on it for a while, then she'd change again. But through the teenage years, my daughter was definitely a challenging teenager. She was definitely someone who kind of slightly went off the rails for a while, um, lost a little bit of focus, kind of got around some of the... You know, people who probably didn't influence her in great ways. Um, and it was a time where a lot of it was about rejecting me as a parent. And I'm not saying this for sympathy. I think for a lot of teenagers, rejecting their parent is almost what they need to do to find themselves. And my daughter definitely made some mistakes through that time. Uh, and it was tough for me because I wanted to be a great parent. But when your child is rejecting you and they don't really aren't open to what you have to offer, it can be really tough. And uh, so you've got to try to find strategies that help them progress forward. And in some ways I did well, in some ways, as I look back as myself on the parent, there's definitely things I could do that could have done better. But but my daughter's now 20, as as of this recording, is now 23. Um, And an interesting thing happened kind of around 1920. So she kind of, my daughter was kind of tough work from about, 14 through to 17 and that kind of rejection of me and appearance and, and all the rest of it was kind of you know again she, she was not alone in this is what kids do or at least a lot of kids do and uh then she, she kind of came back and you know kind of around its 18 mark and you know our relationship got strong again it wasn't a terrible relationship but you know we started getting in line but 
once you got to kind of over 20, our relationship has changed in a really cool way. And it's changed in a really cool way in that, uh, first of all, there's no real rejection of me. So, if, no, no, first of all, it's, we're kind of just mates. And I've got a great relationship with my daughter. Like, she lives overseas now. She lives in Kens in Australia, and she loves it over there. But when we, 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 we call each other and we'll talk for, like, we can easily talk for an hour, an hour and a half. And it's just a really good adult relationship. And uh, we laugh, and I, I, I'm really proud of her, and I just love watching her growing into a cool young woman and watching her progress in life. But the other cool thing is that, at least my experience of it is, is that she's come back to me. And not come back to me as in regards to the loving relationship because kind of that was always there underneath, but more she is open to what I have to offer. That she does actually look to me for some guidance on life advice, and that's the one thing in the teenage years that my daughter didn't do, and many teenagers don't do. They reject your advice and they think you don't know anything. And the unfortunate thing is. You've been there. You've kind of done that. So you probably do have some advice. And, and maybe it's parents' communication skills. And maybe there's many reasons why we reject it. But we could give them the best advice. We could be a sage, a Gandalf, the most wisest person in the world in that moment. And, and maybe everybody else you know, would listen to you in this piece of advice. But for your teenagers, they often won't. But as my daughter's become a young adult and now a young woman, uh, she is looking to me for advice and I, I need to respect that I need to give her wise advice I need to help her find her own answers so it's not about me just telling her how to live her life so there's kind of new challenges for me but it's kind of cool because it's just helping facilitate my daughter's growth now if you were to sit down and ask my daughter what is one of the biggest pieces of advice that I've given to her since she's become an adult a saying that she would probably say my dad always says is make decisions today that you'll be over the moon that you made in the future. Make decisions today that you'll be over the moon you made in the future. I talked to my daughter about this. Uh, I talked to her about this. And I guarantee I've said it on this podcast. I guarantee I've probably said it a hundred times on this podcast. Um, that, that idea of when you're young, you can make decisions that you'll regret for the rest of your life. Um, poor finances bad relationships, um, health, um, you know, some, some sexual choices that you make. You know, there's these decisions that you can make that it can be really bad. And what I'm trying to install in my daughter is that the, the investment of good decisions when you're young has a massive payoff when you're older. And the obvious one to talk about is money. So I've, I've always been uh, a good budgeter and a good investor and so on. And I, and I taught my daughter early that you want to make really good decisions around money because if you could start doing it with the, with the idea of compound interest and you know investing early and all the rest of it, by the time you get to like your mid-40s, you're going to be in a really great position. And I guarantee if you speak to anyone who, who had really good financial decisions in their early 20s, and that can just be that they saved and bought a house and paid down debt and maybe some investing, that when they get to their mid-40s, they think to themselves, oh my God, I am so glad I made these decisions. And that was the kind of the message I've always given to my daughter. Now, now luckily for me and my daughter, because my daughter's in a stage of her life where she's willing to let her open, she's open to what I have to offer, 
she's kind of heeded this advice. So at least money-wise, she's been a good little saver. She's, you know, she's looking to buy her first house in the next period of the moment of her life. So, and she's done that all on her own account. She, you know, like I've suggested, but she's kind of just done the work and saved and all the rest of it. But even not finances, health. You know, like in your 20s, you can get away with murder with your health, can't you? You know, unless you're someone who was a really unhealthy child, you can get away with, you know, kind of making bad decisions in your 20s. But by the time you get to your mid-40s, you regret those decisions and you wish you'd made better habits in your 20s. And so this whole idea of make good decisions now that you'll be really glad you made in the future is kind of this mindset I've tried to install in my daughter. And luckily, for again, as I said before, for myself and my daughter, she's kind of embraced this. She's, she's kind of getting it. She is making those good decisions. But recently I realized that this advice probably isn't great advice. That actually it's not going to work for most people. If you go back and listen to the interview I did with Bree Williams, it was the kind of behaviour psychologist, it was only about five, six episodes ago on my podcast, uh, she had an insight which really, really influenced me. And she was talking about people don't make decisions based on tomorrow. People make decisions based on today. Say it again, because it's a really important insight, and it's really shifted a lot of my thinking and the way I, I do things. People don't make decisions based on tomorrow. People make decisions based on their needs of today. And this is the problem with my advice. My advice of make decisions today that you'd be so glad you made tomorrow. And what's it really saying? It's saying, well, you're making tomorrow's decisions that are going to help you set up your tomorrow. And I've got to be honest, when Bree said this, it was kind of like this in my head as she's saying it, this clockwork's going off like crazy, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, oh, I'm getting it all wrong with my marketing. And I want to take a bit of a sidestep from my daughter through to my business right now. So I do the marketing and sales for my business. Well, it's kind of marketing by itself because I don't really do sales as such. I don't do sales calls. I just kind of have a marketing campaign. But And what I've always done is I've always talked about tomorrow. I've always talked about, let's look at my 5K product, get up to five. Get up to five gets people from doing nothing to running 5Ks in eight weeks from now. And when I've sold it to this point in time, I've, I have sold the crap out of tomorrow. I said, you know, you're going to be healthier and fitter. You're going to have more energy. You're going to be active. You, you may lose some weight. You're going to be confident. You're going to feel good about yourself. It's going to open you up to other areas of your life. Now, what am I doing when I talk about this? I'm talking about tomorrow. I'm doing what I'm doing with my daughter. Make decisions today that we'll be so glad you made in the future. That's what I'm doing there. And when you look at most marketing, that's what they talk about. They talk about what you're going to get or be or achieve tomorrow. It's about tomorrow. So when Bree was talking to me, and again, my head was going cray-cray when I listened to the interview. It was a really interesting insight because I think most people who do sales and most people who are trying to influence other people Use tomorrow as the reason why they should do what, what you're trying to encourage them to do. And so with this in mind, I, I decided I wanted to do a new group of testimonials for my runners. And my testimonials are really important for my running business, because, particularly for the beginner group, because if I get on video and tell you you can achieve something, I'm this fit guy who looks healthy and fit, and you, know, you can see I've done lots of sport in my life, People who are unfit, maybe overweight and haven't achieved fitness, look at me and go, you don't know me, you don't get me. So our testimonials are really important because it's people just like the people we're trying to help 
who have achieved the goal that they've tried to achieve. And and, and I've done lots of testimonials over the years. I'm really proud of our testimonials because it is, it's it's. And what I love about it is our testimonials inspire. You know, the people who do the testimonials end up inspiring other people, and it's quite cool for them to realise that they are an inspiration, which is a pretty special thing. But I decided I wanted to do a new group of testimonials. So about two weeks ago, I sat down and I, I emailed some of our runners who had just ran 5Ks recently, and I said, oh, can I, are you keen to do some testimonials? So we've got about, I think, five or six people to come along and do some testimonials for us, and we did these video testimonials, and there's a kind of seri- series of questions you explore. So when you do marketing, there's kind of this philosophy around marketing that kind of says the first thing you need to do is help identify the problem. So in your first kind of messages with your marketing, you're kind of showing the problem. Are you not moving? Uh, do you not have energy? Do you feel you're lacking? Uh, are you overweight? So you're kind of helping people see that the problem they have in their life. Then the second thing you do, so once you've gone and got people into that catchment, then you kind of take them into the next catchment. And the next catchment is the results that you help people achieve. So then you show them, oh my God, I've got more energy. I, I've lost weight. I, um, I feel proud of myself. I can run 5Ks. And then the third stage of, ad, of the ads that you do kind of go into how you help people get results. So you, what's the problem? The results you get people to get. And then you kind of show them how you are really good at people getting these results. And the whole idea is you've, you're building this kind of understanding and trust that you are a good person to provide the solutions that these people need. And it's kind of the marketing strategy, at least that I do when I when I kind of create my ads. And I've had this strategy for a long time. And so there's always these series of questions that I ask when I do testimonials. These kind of, you know, where were you before you started with us? What, how did you feel about your health and fitness? And that's the problem. Uh, when you ran 5Ks, how did you feel? How have you physically changed? What's your esteem like? And it's dealing with the benefit, you know, the benefit of doing the program. And then we talk about how did our program, how did our coaches help you? How do we give you motivation that you didn't normally experience? So that's the how we got. And I've always had these kind of questions that are aligned with the testimonials and what makes effective testimonials. But this time I threw in the question, when you signed up, the day you signed up, how did you feel? The day you signed up, how did you feel? And this question was influenced from my interview with Bree. Because in the past, all our testimonials were, if you do this in eight weeks, you're going to feel like this. It was what I tell my daughter. Make a decision today that you'll be glad you made in the future. But that wasn't what the point of this question was. The question was to help people realize that the day they clicked that sign up button, I wanted to understand what they felt like. And it was really interesting because I, I threw this question to about five or six testimonials and their answers were phenomenal. Their answers were like, like seriously, I am putting these answers on the front page of my website because it's like testimonials gold. And I remember uh, one lady called Lizzie and she said, the day I pushed sign up for get up to five, I felt great because I knew I'd finally made a change. I felt great because I finally made a change. That's what Bree was talking about. She felt great that day because she finally made a change. She was probably sitting in this dissatisfaction of not moving, of not looking after herself, of not being active. And as soon as she clicked the sign up button, she felt great because she knew she had made a change. Now, Lizzie's testimonial wasn't the only one that said that. Pretty much all of these people, when I threw that question of, how did you feel as soon as you clicked the sign-up button, in some way, shape, or form, said, I felt amazing because I knew I was making a difference to my life. 
Now, when I think about what I'm doing with my sales and my marketing, this is going to be an important message moving forward. Sure, I probably will still talk about the benefits in eight weeks from now. You know, still, I still want them to understand that, hey, if they do this, there are going to be benefits in the future. But actually, and this is, again, why Breeze interview is so great. The actual thing that's going to make people act is how they're going to feel today. And this was really interesting as a business problem in my business, because one of the biggest problems I have in my business is people say to me, I've looked at your product for three years before I actually join. So we've got we've got so many people who wanted to get up to five. And we've got a good business, we've got good numbers, don't get me wrong, but there's a massive hurdle. It takes people so much, three years, to build trust, enough trust to have the courage to click sign up to our product. And ultimately what I'm discovering right now is selling tomorrow doesn't necessarily make them make the choice today. Whereas when I say, now I haven't actually used these testimonials yet, so it'll be interesting, maybe I'll give you some insight into this as I move forward with this. But as if I start to sell this as in, when you click and sign up today, you're going to feel great today because you know you've made a change in your life. I wonder if that three-year period that I have to wait for people to join the product, which I know can help them, I wonder if that three-year period will reduce. I wonder if I can do a really good job of communicating that with the people that actually they'll make that decision. Because the thing is, I, we, I'm really proud of our product. I know it works. We've got a 90% success rate. So I know we're helping them. You know, If they join up, they're making a really good choice. But what I'm really fascinated in is, is how I'm selling the message is changing. How I'm selling the message is now going... Make a choice that makes you feel amazing today. And why is that important? Because if you make a choice that makes you feel amazing today, there's a higher chance you'll do it. Whereas if it'll make you feel great in eight weeks from now, or 20 years from now by doing some good budgeting, is there a high chance you'll do it? It's probably a lot less likely. Now there is an irony to this, because when we think about it, the, the, the actions we want you to do today are the ones that are going to make you a great tomorrow. Like, they are. You know, like, if, if, if you make a really good action of depositing some money in a bank and feeling good at looking at a bank statement because, you, you know, that you see you've got money in the bank, well, the 20 years from now, if you can continue that habit up, you're going to feel great about yourself. When someone signs up for Get Up To Five and they think, yes, I've made change, they're signing up for a program that in eight weeks from now, they are going to be healthier, fitter, and feel better about themselves. So there's an irony that ultimately... You, you, you want the same outcome. But what we're thinking about is how are we framing it in a way that helps us make action today? How are we framing it in a way that helps us take action today? Ultimately, what I've always done is framed it in a way that doesn't necessarily make it, make it encouraging or motivating or enough of a desire to take action today. Whereas when you say to somebody, take an action today, right now, and you're going to feel great because you know you're changing your life today. It's, it's pretty appealing, isn't it? And that's what we're thinking about here is ultimately we're just reframing so that we can get you to take an action today, which ultimately does lead to that place where the future you will be glad you made these decisions. But often in these choices in our life, we don't take the action today. 
we delay the action. And so the future you kind of gets the bad version of you. And so ultimately we're trying to end up in the same endpoint. And ultimately the behaviors may be similar, but we're just trying to reframe it in a way that allows you to actually do the action today. Now, if you've listened to the show for a long time, you know I love kind of putting a process around these things for you. So I kind of I wanted you to practice this. If you're if you're listening to this and you know you've got some areas in your life where you don't do something you know you should do, um, and you understand that if you do it, your future would be better. It could be budgeting. It could be some healthy choices. It could be relationship stuff. Whatever. Um, I want I want I want us to practice this because I do believe what Bree says. And and as, again, as as those testimonials are coming through, I was like, oh wow, this is really powerful stuff. So first of all, here's a process that I've made up. And the process goes like this. First of all, I want you to identify an area of your life where you know you're not doing behaviors that you would, or you have behaviors you want to shift or you want to make some changes in. So again, it could be that you're really terrible with money and you know you should do some budgeting um, or you know you should do some savings or it might be uh, with diet, you know, that you know you've got a bad diet or it might be movement or it might be your sleeping habits or it might be something to do with relationships. If there's many, which let's be honest, a lot of us have many, uh, just choose one. So just choose one area where deep down you know you want to make better decisions in. Okay, so you choose that area. Now, once you've got the area, I want you to identify like a decision that you can make in that area. Um, it can be, I don't know, you have to figure out what that is. It might be that you just um, plan a meal for nutrition. It might be that when you go to bed, you don't take your phone into your bedroom. It might be um, that you ring in somebody who you need to have a hard conversation with. I'm not sure. You'll figure it out. Just what what is a decision that will help you move forward in that area? That's a good way to think about it. So determine an area and just decide one decision in that area that you want to work on right now. Now we need to do the kind of reframing. So now we need to think about, like, we're not going to do the future thing, although we may have a look at it afterwards, but we're not going to look at the future right now. So it's not that thing of, you know, if I plan my food today, I'm going to be 10 kgs lighter in six months from now. We're not going to worry about that. All we want you to think about is we want you to put the focus on what would be the reward today if you did that? What would be the reward of you planning your food, not taking your phone into your bedroom, doing the hard phone call, um, starting a budget, what would be the reward today? When the testimonials, my 5K people, they said, as soon as I made that choice, I knew I was making a change. So I suppose their reward was relief. For you, what would be the reward of you planning your food? You'd probably feel the reward of feeling that you're a bit of control in your life. What would be the reward of you not taking your phone into the bedroom when you go to bed at night? The reward would be, that you have a good night's sleep and you have better energy today? What would be the reward of getting that hard phone call out of the way? The, the, the hard phone call that owns your life, it would be, again, it would be a sense of relief. So all you're focusing on is, what is the reward I'm going to get today by doing this thing? Like, how would I feel if I do this thing? So you're really trying to identify the reward now, today, for you. Not 20 years from now, when, what was I saying? Make decisions you'll be glad of in the future. No, 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 we're not doing that. We're just doing it for today. Now, I want you to, to practice this. So I want you to choose that area, choose the, the behavior, and then find the reward for doing that behavior. Now, the next step is to practice it. So if it is about planning the food because you feel you've got more control when you plan your food, then practice planning your food. 
But then I also want you to, once you've planned the food and done the food planning, is to understand the experience of that. Like it's interesting, I've, I've recently gone this habit of not having my phone before I side my bed. Uh, it was a habit, you know, I'm a pretty good sleeper, I mainly pick up my Kindle most nights, but occasionally I pick up my phone, so I now don't leave my phone in my bedroom. I do two nights a week, nights when I get sleep and I allow myself to have a bit of phone time, but other nights of the week I, I keep it not beside my bed. Now, I've got to say I have better energy when I do it, but I also just feel good. Like I gotta admit, when I leave the phone in in another room and I walk into my bedroom, I, I feel good because I know I'm looking after myself. And it's kind of this thing of I know I'm looking after tomorrow, so I feel really good about myself. So what, when I, I want you to once you've actually done the action, is it food planning, whatever it is, when you're feeling those good feelings, really feel them, really sit and embrace them, really kind of just go, oh, this is what it feels like when I make a decision that's good for me today. And then ultimately, you want to repeat this. So then the next day, again, we'll go back to food. When you go to food planning, don't think, oh, you know, six months from now, I'm going to lose this much weight, I need to do this. Think, how would I feel today if I plan my food again? Now, ultimately, what we're trying to do is practice this, this, this reframing of trying to find the future today and sitting into, we're trying to use tomorrow to motivate today, to actually just use today to motivate today. And that's what this process does. So again, what is the process? Identify an area of your life that you want to create some behavior change in. Secondly, determine an action that you can take in this area. And then you need to reframe how you're going to perceive that action. So it's not about tomorrow, it's just about how you're going to feel today. Once you've done that, then you're going to make the action and experience that action. After that, just practice it over and over again. And keep your focus on how you're going to feel today. Because if you do this, and this is really mind-blowing, you are going to wake up in 20 years from now or sometime in your future in a place where you'll be so glad of the choices you made today. Like ultimately that's all I'm trying to get my daughter to do when I say that statement to her of make decisions that you'll be glad of in the future. I'm just trying to get her to make great decisions today. I just wasn't using very good tools. I, I wasn't because I wasn't. I was. I was trying to sell her tomorrow. As Bree Williams said, people are motivated by today. And if you want to create change in your life, and you do want to wake up with that better future, you are actually better to put your focus on where you're going to feel today, and reframing the, the motivation so you get it today. And then once you get it today, just Tomorrow, wake up and look for the same thing again. Because if you can consistently do that day in, day out, come on, we know that you're going to wake up in a place where you are, where you want to be in the future. So, just to recap, ultimately, to create a better tomorrow, we've got to great, make great decisions today. And unfortunately for a lot of us, we try to use tomorrow's motivation to help us shift today. And while in some cases that works, and there is some level of motivation that comes with that, it's actually not that effective. We're much more effective when we put the focus on what reward can I get today for this. And my little challenge for you is to choose one area of your life, determine a behavior, reframe it so you see the benefit of doing it today, and then to practice it, understand what it feels like when you do that, and just keep doing it day in, day out. Can you imagine how you would feel today if you just did that today?
See what I did then? Because normally when I say, can you imagine what you feel like in six months from now if you could do that? I'm not doing that. I'm just saying, if you, can you imagine if you did it today? If today you'd made that first choice that made you feel more in control. If today you went for a walk and you felt on top of the world. If today you had that hard conversation but it makes you feel relief. Make today your reward centre. And ultimately you are going to end up in a better place tomorrow. I guarantee if you do this, you'll be a higher version of yourself. Right, I think that's the main gist of today's show done and dusted. I've got to say, I, I, I really think this is quite powerful and it's really going to shift the way I do a lot of things and helping motivate other people. Um, I just think that it's powerful stuff. I really do. Now, I suppose the one thing to say on top of this is not that you can't look to the future. It's just keep your focus on how you're going to feel today because there is still value in working in the future. And um, yeah, so just some good stuff to think about there. I'm going to tell you a really random story. It's just a funny story. It has nothing to do with motivation. It's just a funny story. But every year I, um, what do I do? Every year around the races week in Christchurch. So every year, most cities have this. They have the races week or big cities have it or big countries. And we have the New Zealand Cup Day in Christchurch. And every year for a joke, I randomly, while I'm teaching in front of people, I'm teaching fitness, I randomly pull out a number from some race. I say, team, race five, horse number eight, you need to put your money on it. Now, there's no, it's literally me talking crap. I'm pretty good at talking crap, guys. And it's just a funny thing I say every year. And I I always joke to people and I say, don't just put your money on it, put all your money on it. And it's kind of my joke. And everyone laughs and no one really puts any money on it. And over the years, I've kind of done this every year. And over the years, more often than not, it's kind of done all right. You normally get a payout. So last week in my class, I said to my class, I said, team, I did say that number. I said, race five, horse eight, put all your money on it. So I said it. Some people said they would, but you kind of don't think they are. And then we went away. And on the day of the races, Joe and I were working at home. And so we thought we'd put $4 on this horse. So we put $4 on this horse, $2 each way, two for the place, two for the win. So we start watching, it was about 1.30 in the afternoon, Joe and I went from home. We start, we sit down, we start watching this race, and the horse is a clunker. It's an absolute clunker. The race starts, and there's probably 20 horses in the race, and which horse goes to the back? Race, horse eight, and race number five was at the back of the race, and, and it just stayed at the back the whole time. With 500 metres to go, Joe and I are absolutely cracking up laughing because we just think it's so funny that how wrong could I be. Then with 500 metres to go, the horse starts moving up the field. It doesn't start moving up the field like slowly. It's kind of slowly moving up the field and kind of getting quickly up the field. And it hits the home straight. It's probably halfway through the field. So of the 20, probably 20 to 30 horses in the race, it's kind of halfway through. It looks like it's boxed in. We're kind of thinking, maybe we can get a place. You know, best case scenario, because it did look like it was going faster than everyone else. Keep running up. Keep getting closer. Got to third place. We thought, geez, we're going to make some money. Wins the bloody race. Now, I'm cracking up laughing. Joe and I, we're cracking up laughing. I think my four little bit returned me like, I think I was like, returned me, oh, I think I got like $30. So it was a pretty good bet. So I went back to the gym and I was telling people in the gym, I was cracking up laughing. And some people, it's one girl who does my RPM, a young girl who's at, you're studying at university, she put $5 on it. Now, the horse won $9.50, $9.50 so for its payout. So she won like $45. Another member had put like 20 bucks on it, so he won like nearly $200. 
But this morning, <laughs> I was in the gym, and there's a lovely lady called Vanessa. She's been coming to my classes forever, and she's, a, she's just a really cool chick. And Vanessa, I go, Vanessa, did you put money on my horse? And she said, yep, Bevan, I put $100 on it. And I was like, 100 bucks. And she ended up winning just under $1,000 on this crazy, stupid bet that I did. Now, I'm not a gambler. I, I probably gamble five times a year, and at max, I'm willing to do like $20 maximum. Um, and I would not recommend you take this tip, but I gotta say, it was pretty bloody funny. She ended up winning nearly a thousand bucks with this stupid bet that I pulled out my butt. So that's my random story for the week. Now, before I do wrap things up, I do want to say a big thank you to all the patrons. If you are a patron of the show, uh, thank you so much. If you want to become a patron, if you enjoy what I do on the show, and I'm pretty sure if you listen to other fitness podcasts, you'll see that I'm doing something different. I'm really into helping everyday people and even advanced people, just be that higher level version. I want to teach life lessons around that. So if you want to support me and what I'm doing, go to bevanjamesisles.com. Uh, if you go to the, the podcast page, it'll be support me. Go through there. Now, one thing when you go through the support me section, that you, you basically just give as much or a little as you want. You can give like a dollar a show. You can give $10,000 a show if you want. Not me, no one's ever done that, uh, but hey, you never know. Um, but you know, you just give what you want, and when you do, you get a cool Bevan James Iowa show nickname. And ultimately, you just know that you're supporting someone who's trying to help everyday people achieve amazing goals. So, thank you to all the people who are patrons, you know who you are, and it really means a lot. And your support is just really, really fantastic. So, thank you to those people. The other thing you can do if you're not a patron, there's two other things you can do spread the show. Uh, on Instagram or Facebook or any of your social feeds. Uh, one other thing around that is I do do short videos on Instagram nowadays, um, probably somewhere between four to eight minutes. I don't do them all the time, but if you are on Instagram or Facebook, you can follow me and you can see those videos there. And I'm getting some really cool feedback on them, so that's really great. Uh, but also you can go to whatever chart, podcast chart thing you use, like Spotify or Apple or Google, and put a review up. And I've got a review from Libster. Lipster from New Zealand and she's got this is a great podcast to listen to to reset your goals and dreams it's practical and might give you a better version of yourself give it a go so thank you Lipster for doing that that may be Lipster who a Libby that I know um, but may not be but if you can go on your podcatcher and put a review on it's just another way to help get attention for the show so thank you for all the people who support the show you know what? even just listening supports the show so thank you for that uh, other than that, I'll be back in a couple of weeks with an interview show, so get out there, have a good couple of weeks, and keep being you. Mm-hmm.